We're going to expand our weekly video segment to take you into the back shelves of your local video store. Back where it says horror videos and where kids are devouring some awful films that we call the video nasties. Are you freebasing? Inquiring minds want to know. I have to break free from this culture of mechanical reproductions and the thick encrustations dying on the surface. Stop the prime time, bitch! Pain, I can assure you, will be exquisite. As for our deaths, come with me and be immortal. We have such sights to show you. We've got to return some video tape. Hello, horror hounds, and welcome to the It Slays podcast. I'm your humble host, Rowan. And this is Kurt Russell's saucy chess computer, Mike. And I'm Colton. And we are back, uh, not just any normal, we are back. We are back celebrating the three-year anniversary of the It Slays podcast. Not three years. I don't know if that's three years of our life wasted or... (laughs) Well, I haven't been here for three years. I've just been listening for three years, so... Well, that's more important than anything i was gonna say i don't know what's worse <laughs> oof true in another three years when you're like oh my god what's going what on have I done? what is life <laughs> but yeah we are uh we're here celebrating mike's got his wine out we should add a, because of technical difficulties Oh, my yeah, glass of wine of... is almost gone. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, let's be realistic. As always, Mike is always celebrating. Uh, we're we're just in the background. Background fodder. You are absolutely my celebration fodder. <laughs> well, uh, before we get started and like jump into what we've been watching, I just wanted to kind of thank all the people that engaged with the poll over the last couple of weeks because, uh, I mean, we got over you know, close to 900 votes overall, like across all the social media platforms and whatnot, which is uh, pretty incredible. And I think most of them went to uh, The Thing and Bram Stoker's Dracula, weirdly enough, I think was second uh, when I like tallied up all the votes. People like really love that one. Because people have taste. (laughs) (laughs) I actually haven't seen it since like high school, so I can't even comment on it. But uh, yeah, no, I just wanted to thank everyone for uh, rallying behind uh, what movie you wanted to watch. And that's why we're here and we'll be reviewing the thing later on tonight. So uh, yeah, I'll toss it back to Rowan so we can get into what we've been watching. I was going to say, I'm just imagining like the 20 people that didn't vote for the thing that are just like fucking heat this episode. Absolutely pissed. Cecily, I'm thinking of you, Cecily. (laughs) Yeah, there were so many people rallying behind Hush. And then obviously when House of Wax got voted out, you know, Cecily was pretty pissed so uh yeah yeah it hasn't always been fun in the polls but you know lots of uh it's a blood sport man i know she clicked on this episode hoping it was like some sort of troll and we're like actually it's house of wax no the (laughs) troll was back in september when i joined (laughs) (laughs) so uh well we'll talk about first what we've been watching, what we've been reading, just, you know, any of the media we have been consuming since last time uh, 
We convened. We will start with you, Mike. I have been watching Euphoria. Of because course. Because the new I season is excellent. It. Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, there's lots of things happening and lots of great music being played and lots of crazy memes happening. So, you know, when a show is like just getting thousands of memes like four hours after it airs that it's doing something right. That's <laughs> all I have to say about that. Um, and I actually just got a new book today that I'm starting and it's uh, Angela Davis's autobiography from Root. 1974 that just got a like a re-release um with like some new new introduction or a foreword or something by her so we love Angela Davis everyone loves Angela Davis so I honestly can't I wanted to read it for years Toni Morrison edited it like love Toni Morrison so that's where I'm at media wise what about y'all I haven't been watching a whole lot recently uh just kind of busy with the polls we were doing and a couple of other projects on the side but I did catch up on a couple of like Oscar nominees uh the eyes of Tammy Faye was one which <gasps> honestly I don't know it was kind of mediocre I just heard oh, Mike be excited no. but, <laughs> yeah I thought it was pretty mediocre I love I think Tammy de- Faye and I love Jessica Chastain <laughs> oh really I think they yeah. definitely could have slammed like uh televangelism a little bit harder they wind up Mm. kind of making it a little bit of a puff piece about her which uh wasn't wasn't really for me i also watched the worst person in the world which is one that yeah it has like a 98 percent on rotten tomatoes or something and i thought that was good just i mean it's a little bit overhyped i guess i think it just got like a nomination this morning for screenplay or something a couple of things i guess maybe our audience would be a little bit more interested in is i actually watched the the folk horror documentary on shutter um the three hour long like long one that it's like uh it has a weird name on it it's woodlands dark and days bewitched a history of folk horror and uh overall it was pretty good it is broken up into like five or six chapters so it's kind of easy for you to digest like even though it's three hours long it's like there's like a break probably 45 minutes in and then an hour in and then like an hour and a half in so i kind of watched like one or two chapters each day for last weekend and yeah it's worth watching i mean uh a lot of what they covered i've heard of before and a lot of i I never even heard tell of, you know, they got literally like a hundred different folk horror movies on there. So that's definitely worth checking out. I don't know if you guys are really in the folk horror, but um, you know, I, I've i been waiting for that to come out for a very long time. I haven't watched it yet, but I do this thing where I'm like something like that that I was really looking forward to. I'm going to like save for when I have like a couple days off and like make a ritual out of it because the person who did it. Um, wrote one of my absolute favorite books on horror films of all time, Care Legendous, House of Psychotic Women. It's, I think, one of the top five books ever written on horror movies. And it actually might be one of my favorite film books ever, too. It's just wonderful. Everyone should check it out. I think they might be putting out a new edition of it soon. But anyway, yeah, so I loved that. And I was, I'm really looking forward to like seeing her documentary. And hearing you say nice things about it is always good. Yeah. Other than that, uh, I snuck out this afternoon. I never even logged it on Letterboxd to kind of surprise you guys. But I snuck out this afternoon, went to the theater, and I saw a scream. So oh, nice. Uh, one, excuse one me, of is us the has, theater open again? It opened yesterday. So Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well. so, I, yeah, so I, I checked out Scream this afternoon. I won't really get into it because I don't want to like kind of color your guys' perception of the movie. I did think it was good overall. Definitely some qualms with it. But yeah, I you know. The less said about that one, the better for now. I can't wait to kind of talk about it once you guys have seen it. So, Well, I'm off yeah. tomorrow, so I guess I'll be going to my first movie in two years. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> I you, have you should go check it out. I have downloaded, I have to say, illegal activity warning. <laughs> I have downloaded every pirated cam version on the internet that I could find of that, and none of them were watchable because I couldn't hear any of the dialogue. I saw the first 10 minutes a couple of times skipping through, so that's, yeah. I can't wait. 
I'm very glad. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say my dialogue was perfect because there was a group of teenagers sitting behind me on their phones and they were constantly going off and they were texting and squealing and stuff. But I mean, that kind of adds to the whole screen That's part of the experience, yeah. Exactly, exactly, right? So I wasn't really even angry about it, so... Yeah, but that's basically what I've been watching. What about you, Rowan? Uh, so I've watched a couple things. Uh, obviously, you know, we're still pushing through. Uh, me and Exilia are watching The Boys still. Not making great progress. Like, I think we're only on episode, like, four now. We're just kind of taking our time with it, enjoying it. I watched uh, that uh, the new Netflix series Murderville, uh, which I really how was that? I really really enjoyed it. Like, what a interesting and odd concept for a show. So, like, it's not giving anything away. Like, basically, it's like a, a scripted procedural, but they have a celebrity guest who doesn't know the script, and they have to improv the entire episode. So it's like basically just like Will Arnett throwing wrenches into it, making like the improv super silly and difficult. Also telling like a narrative and then it's kind of a game show because at the end the celebrity has to guess who the murderer is. It's like a murder mystery party except TV show. Uh, But it's fun. It's like super fun. Uh, I got uh, some good chuckles out of it. I didn't know that's the type of show it was. I've seen it in my browsing and that's not what i thought it was (laughs) i would have had no idea either i figured it would have been like another only murders in the building or kind of like a knife or something but a a friend of mine just watched it recently as well and she said you know she kind of told me the pitch and i was like oh okay that's a little bit more interesting than what i thought it was going to be but yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it other than Murderville, I managed to knock out a couple rewatches, a couple films that I've never seen before. You know, listeners would probably be into this. I, I went on Shudder and I watched uh, The Dark and the Wicked, which is uh, by the same guy that did The Strangers. Uh, it's a Shutter exclusive, I believe. I don't know. Maybe someday we'll review it or something. I, I enjoyed it. Scared me. I watched it at my mom's place. So we were in the middle of the woods. I had, you know, all the lights off. There's no street lights, no anything. Nice. Yeah. And I thought it was effective. It was like, it's kind of like simple, but uh, effective. Uh, and then I, you know, I revisited some childhood favorites. I rewatched The Mask. Because uh, I just picked that up on Blu-ray, fantastic as I as I always remembered. Some of these Jim Carrey <laughs> movies I revisit are not great that you know I used to love, but the mask One might even say they were embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> the mask like really holds up. It's kind of interesting because as a kid, I never thought about like this is a comic book movie, and yeah. now that I'm older and I know the mask was a comic book, like yeah, so it felt like a comic book movie uh i i enjoyed it uh then i rewatched. uh I, I was on the comic book theme rewatched howard the duck oh my god always good i thought you were kidding about this no i love howard the duck the soundtrack is amazing of course the dude that loves howard the duck you know would also love like a serbian film and just all these movies that like nobody likes just yeah impeccable taste no shade bro leah thompson <laughs> is amazing in it i agree uh the music is fantastic which a lot is actually sung by leah thompson and if you you know if you're into the, the howard the duck like uh rebel girl punk vibes it's just <laughs> i'm living for it Ugh. 
And then uh, my last two, I I rewatched the original Batman and Batman Returns. Uh, we won't get into that heavy. Uh, I don't. No, want let's not. <laughs> I don't want Colton to leave the podcast. We had some heated <laughs> debates. Uh, I think they're the two best Batman films ever made. Uh, you know, I think Tim Burton is best. Uh, Batman Returns, especially, I think is just awesome. I I think anyone that doesn't like that movie is a big fucking idiot. Well. We won't get into it, but uh, after Rowan messaged me his hot takes the other night, I just muted the chat and went to bed. <laughs> I was like, I can't get into this. I'm getting too fired up at like 2 a.m. Yeah. So, But uh, yeah, that is everything I, I watched. I think it it's about time. Y- you came for one reason and two words. Let's get into the trailer, The Thing, 1982, and then we'll be back. Colton be hitting us with that delicious bio. Let's get into it. One hundred thousand years ago, it came to our galaxy. Trapped in the wasteland of Antarctica, it could not escape. Now, it is free to become one of us. John Carpenter's The Thing, rated R. All right. The Thing was released in 1982 and is directed by John Carpenter, written by Bill Lancaster and John W. Campbell Jr. And the story is as follows. At a remote base in Antarctica, a group of American researchers are disturbed by a Norwegian helicopter pursuing what appears to be a sled dog. Soon the researchers discover that this is no ordinary dog, but instead a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates and imitates other organisms. As the base's body count dwindles and the men are consumed by their paranoia, they learn a terrible truth that they can trust no one as any one of them could be. The thing. First experiences. It's weird. You know, I I think about this film as an iconic film, but I'm sure there's uh, some people that have never seen this, such as Mike. I know he's on into this kind of movie. I've never seen a John Carpenter movie. (laughs) Never heard of him. (laughs) Who is is John Carpenter? I was like, sorry to this man. I know let's start with first experiences Colton we'll start with you yeah so uh the thing is always a movie that I knew of like kind of growing up you know it is kind of iconic it's one of those classic like DVD or VHS covers at the store I'd see all the time not the one of like the 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 man wandering through the tundra with the you know the bright light coming out of his parka but more of like the one that's like just beneath the ice and it just seems like something Mm -hmm. is beneath the ice you guys know what I'm talking about like a face or whatever yeah yeah it's like a face that's obscured a little bit so it's always been one that's caught my eye at like video stores but i probably only watched it for the first time like i don't know probably about a decade ago it was definitely i was a couple of years into university and a good friend of mine josh who is a co-host on my previous podcast uh we decided one afternoon to like throw it on and we were completely like sucked into the movie so much so that like by the end of it we were kind of like breaking down like the the infection timeline like oh who was infected at what point trying to like figure it all out and then it was very much like well frigate let's just move in you know roll on into the prequel movie so then we just watched you know 2011's the thing (laughs) directly after it and you know i think that movie gets a little bit of a bad rap because i enjoyed that one as well so yeah it was just very much like an afternoon like full of the thing so yeah i've seen it a couple times since then but you know only I can count it on one hand for sure. What about you, Mike? I honestly, it's one of these that has like been in my life for so long that 
I don't even remember when I first saw it, but it was a long time ago. It was definitely after I saw Halloween, which I saw when I was, you know, very young, like 11 years old or whatever. So it was like when I watched Halloween and was like, oh my God, this John Carpenter person. And then I had heard of the thing. And again, like you said, seen the covers in video stores and stuff and yeah. clips of it playing in other movies and stuff like that. So I, I just remember seeing it at some point and, you know, have seen it, I don't know. Dozens of times probably since, maybe. I, I don't know if that's exaggerating, but I've definitely seen it a lot. I've owned it on, like, every home video format, I think. I probably have a VHS that I bought at, like, a going-out-of-business movie store somewhere. I definitely had some, like, cool DVDs of it. And got the Scream Factory DVD, which by, or Blu-ray, which, by the way, is the one of the only things in my life I've ever won. <laughs> I won oh, a giveaway really? on Instagram and I got a free copy of that and Carrie nice. when they put the two special editions out. Yeah. And me and uh, our, our friend from work, Haley, uh, shout out to Haley. We, me and her shout and her out. boyfriend, Aaron got together and, you know, made a big night out of like watching both of them. And I gave her Carrie and I kept the thing cause I already had Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Anyway. So I just have seen it so many times that like, honestly, it's just always been in my life. I'm about the same. I can't really remember. I remember the first time I saw this, but it was pretty young. This is something that always, yeah, as far as I can remember, I, you know, I've se I see this every couple of years. I definitely couldn't count on my fingers and toes how many times I've seen this. Uh, I said before we started recording, just last night I watched it twice. So research, guys, research. I'm dedicated <laughs> to you, research. the listeners. But yeah, it's something that I feel... It, Everyone I talk to either, like, knows about it or has seen it. Definitely iconic and maybe decisive. I don't know. I, I, I really haven't met a lot of people that don't overly like this movie, even remotely. So, uh, yeah, that would be uh, my first experiences. Now, this is going to be possibly the toughest question to answer. Where we start, when we talk about any movie, our favorite kill. I'm, I'm going to do slash favorite just special effects scene. I mean, scene period in this. Uh, and we'll start with you, Mike. Um, well, this kind of has a no, it doesn't have a bit of everything. No, yes, it does have a bit of everything in it. My favorite scene, because, well, many reasons, but it encapsulates a lot of the, like, ideas in this movie, but also a bit of the special effects and also some of the just, like, badassery and the, like, really good acting. Um, and it's the, like, blood test scene kind of near yeah. the end. I, I love that because it's classic John Carpenter, like, ratcheting up the tension even in like a sci-fi horror movie it's like he just knows how to work at like fucking hitchcock you know <laughs> like it's so to me like of just such a great like formally well done scene and uh like super tense and i just loved the like bringing blood into it because i like doing a reading of it where it's like you know kind of hinting at being like an aids allegory or something like that so to me like the whole like let's test our blood and like have all these dudes in the room uh, is kind of like a really cool scene. But then, of course, you get that really cool kill where the guy is hanging out at the top of the other guy. And I just think that yeah. that's such a it's such a there are several like canon, you know, legendary iconic scenes and images of the special effects in this movies. And I don't I don't feel like that gets enough credit for being as fucking insane and badass as it is, because like that guy's body flopping around, like coming out of the 
thing's mouth is like so fucking disturbing. I'm sorry. And like it, you almost laugh at it, but it's so well done. It's actually like horrifying. So yeah, I just think it, that that scene encapsulates like really good special effects and really good tension. It just all meshed together. Yeah. It's so over the top. It like turns into a, like almost like a Venus fly trap in a way and like eats. The yeah. Guy. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's so and awesome. it, you, you're like, it's, you want to laugh at it, but like, it's actually still so well done that it's like, <laughs> like, it's like that kind of nervous laughter. Like, this is actually terrifying, but again, yeah. it's so over the top. It's like, is it camp? Is it horror? Is it both? Yeah. Even that blood testing scene, like, even this watch, I jumped at this watch, like, when it, it's such an effective, like, jump uh, scare, yeah. especially from someone like Carpenter, who doesn't really ever rely on jump scares. Yeah. It also but comes, the, But like, it was the tension, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it also comes, like, mid-joke as well. Like, if you know, like, the beats of a horror scene, it doesn't even, like, adhere to those beats at all. It's just literally mid-sentence of a joke. It just, like, you know, it pops out of the you know the petri yeah. dish or whatever yeah it's it's a very effective jump scare i was gonna say quickly like i i think it's funny that you brought up about like uh you know the hitchcock kind of tension building i i didn't watch a lot of it but uh i i also have the scream factory blu-ray of this which get if you don't own this because like it's massive. Like, there's a whole disc of special features. It's so funny. I have it, and I've never watched any of the special features. I just think the movie looks beautiful. <laughs> so, it's kind of funny, because, you know, it seems like less than a month. I'm bringing this name up again. But Mick Garris interviews John Carpenter, who... Oh, uh, nice. Also did the interviews for the Crazy Conspiracies in The Shining. Oh, no. Who also directed the remake of The Shining. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I mean, side note, it was interesting that Mick Garris talked about when he was young, he he was uh, on the set of the thing. Like, apparently he worked for Universal and oh, okay. he kind of was like a company man. And I just thought it was funny because in the interview, Mick Garris specifically brings up how he felt there was a heavy Hitchcock influence in this with building the tension and you know they talked about how the horror trope of everything kind of coming in threes like you're okay you're okay nope that's a jump scare and how carpenter like really played with that so you know to tear down those expectations yeah because he even says to what's his face the old guy i'm saving you for last yeah and you know you're thinking you're just gonna keep getting that thing and like literally like colton said it breaks the like beats and you're here waiting for them to move on and then all of a sudden it just like explodes in your face. Yeah, exactly. And sorry, I interrupted uh, Colton. Yeah, I was just about to get into my favorite scene, which is uh, the dog scene, uh, specifically when the dog walks into like the middle of the other like huskies and the cell, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the pound or whatever. And like, yeah, it's like when it starts consuming all of them and like its head falls off and there's just this gaping maw there. Um, for me, it's just, it's, it was funny, like, as I was watching the movie, I have a friend who's uh, not very good with horror movies, but she's kind of been dabbling in it more and more. And as I was watching this, I was like, oh, she could probably handle this movie. Like, it's not too bad up until yeah. that point. That point, it, like, winds up being like, oh, my God, this is, like, some of the most effective body horror I've ever seen. And obviously, a lot of people, when it comes to, like, animal violence in movies, uh, they're not very good at it. Yeah. And that and that scene just goes all out with like spewing acid on one of the dogs and one of them gets shot and the other one's getting like strangled it's just an absolutely horrific scene that is also just like such a great showcase of special effects like all the puppetry and all the models and everything on hand it's 
Yeah, it's yeah, horrifying. It's I've seen yeah. this like dozens of times, and every time the like whippy bits come out, I like yeah. oh, literally like dude, my skin fucking crawls. Like it's so mm-hmm. well done. Yeah, I found this like this watch too. I I and that stuff usually doesn't overly bug me, but like I was like like how great because I was like oh, this is like really disturbing. But uh, I was gonna say for that scene specifically, I was very surprised because um, I watched the thing on the special effects, and they were talking about how a lot of that scene that it's a rubber dog like i was thinking like until they kind of show it like cell by cell and they're like this is the rubber dog this isn't a rubber yeah. dog i couldn't tell from watching it like the first go around i was like it looks pretty real to me yeah i certainly never noticed it was a rubber dog at least not until it like kind of shedded all of its fur and whatnot and then it was obviously supposed yeah. to be something other than straight up a dog you know you're telling me that thing wasn't real <laughs> well that that's something with the special effects in this movie they i don't know if they look truly realistic like they would exist like if i saw it like i wouldn't like i would think it's an effect or something but just like how effective it's done in this movie and then like how they all just look like wet and gross yeah it's slimy yeah yeah (laughs) i forget the name of the chemical but apparently it's the same chemical that they use uh to hold twinkies together it just looks like lube yeah (laughs) are you sure they didn't just like put astroglide all over it and call it a day no they they talk uh, i was reading about and they talk about it and and carpenter said like it was kind of funny because they basically had to go to like factories that made twinkies and buy like barrels of this stuff what the hell I have to Google if Twinkies are held together by lube now, <laughs> just because I don't believe it. <laughs> Everything is really wet in the movie, and I think about uh, like a, a scene when I was reading about it that was pointed out was that when they go to the Norwegian uh, site and you have mm-hmm. the guy frozen, but he's like yeah. kind of still wet. They were talking behind the scenes about how uh, it's just a rubber you know, rubber doll. Yeah. Uh, Carpenter talks about coming on set and seeing it and being like, yup, this movie's fucked. Like, that looks terrible. And all the special effects guys are like, no, no, don't worry about it. Wait till we make everything wet. Anything wet <laughs> looks real. It's gonna look fine. But all of these scenes and the, all the scenes we're gonna talk about, like, when you hear that, you're like, oh, that's kind of funny and like, why is that true? But that wetness to everything, like, really adds this, like, visceral layer to it everything well like well it's like like i said becoming the outside (laughs) yeah i was gonna say like it doesn't look real but there's like a tactility to it like you know what it would feel like which kind of makes it fit in the scene a little bit or make it feel more real and also since it's supposed to be an extraterrestrial organism right like you know maybe it isn't supposed to look exactly like it would fit in our world anyways right so you kind of give it that benefit of a doubt as well but rowan what's your favorite scene i'm gonna do uh i think we coined this the exilia cheat i kind of have two one one's not like a major so one of my favorite scenes is actually the uh the sequence where we get the title of the movie. Yeah. Like burning through the black. Oh, love yeah. it. Absolutely love that. Now, I admittedly, uh, and we haven't said it yet, so this is uh a reimagining of another movie from like the fifties, which is like apparently John Carpenter's like all time favorite movie. He essentially like references every one of that director's movies in all of his movies. <laughs> yeah. But he he claimed that that intro is actually, like, ripped right out of the original one. They watch that in, like, Halloween, Halloween, don't they? yeah. Yeah. I just absolutely love that 
title sequence, because I don't know about you guys, but my least favorite part of this was the spaceship intro. I literally okay. have that in my notes. <laughs> I was so, like, the only thing I don't like about this movie is that. <laughs> so I don't know if we want to get into it right now, but yes, uh, mine's not necessarily the spaceship intro, but when it comes back again near the end of the movie for like two or three minutes, but maybe we'll get into that in a second after you explain all your favorites. Yeah. So like I said, like to me, if I'm a friend, like I always, whenever I'm like reviewing these for the podcast, I try to imagine if I've seen it before, like what would my reaction as a first time viewer be? Like to me, I'm like, man, I would totally hate that. But then that title comes in and I'm like, oh, I am fucking sold. Yeah. My uh, real favorite scene, which I feel is is also kind of a cheat code, the iconic, to me, the iconic scene of this film is, you know, the head peeling off and turn getting like the arachnid type legs <laughs> and just like everyone's reaction to watching this head walk off. Well, like we said, with all these other favorite scenes, like not so much that like when the head's coming off that you're like oh that that must that looks so real but it's just like gooey and the sound and it's just like this very particular type of visceral that I'm just like oh this is creepy I hate spiders like yeah, when yeah. that's my number one fear oh yeah severe arachnophobic here. yeah so the <laughs> the fact that it grows these like weird arachnid spider legs just creeps me the fuck out and yeah that's that's my favorite like kill scene yeah it's funny because like that head spider or head crab or whatever it's probably literally in the movie for like 15 to 20 seconds probably but yeah it's it's so many it's like so many of the effects in this movie it's just like you it's so memorable right it's so well yeah. done with the puppeteering and like the special effects and just the wetness of it all you know it's i feel yeah, like people who haven't even seen the movie are like oh my god that's the one with the like spider head thing right yeah <laughs> you know yeah. yeah and also i mean the the defib scene that happens well it's the same scene like it oh, happens yeah. like a couple of seconds right before that that's like a good jump scare as well where they mm. get the defib out and you know the the whole torso opens up and consumes his arms you know like, yeah well you you're you're prepped for a longer more tense scene yeah like you're kind of primed for that and then it's like you think you got another minute or two before anything weird happens and then it's like no man <laughs> no the <just> say goodbye <laughs> yeah i feel like that's kind of a a, a natural transition that just quickly talk about you know i say this every time we watch a movie my big thing is always like a pace thing how is the movie paced and this i seem surprised every time i rewatch this because i always think about stuff kind of like halloween where we have that real like drawn out we don't get a lot like a lot of halloween kills happen in like this small little bunch but we have all this like tension building and you do get tension building in this but i was actually kind of surprised I'm like people are dying like every five minutes in this like I'm just gonna say it Halloween is like much more boring than this is this this movie uh, like we, 100%. I, had, I had to pause it just for like a little like bathroom break about and I was like oh my god there's only 40 minutes left of the movie like I, I was yeah. like holy shit this movie flies by where like and Halloween you're like half take... the cast is already gone <laughs> exactly <laughs> in yeah. Halloween there's like literally three people <laughs> for like an hour <laughs> yeah like obviously it's really effective in what it's doing but every single time 
time. Like, I feel like I remember Halloween and like it more in my head than every single time when I watch it. I go like, oh, this is a little slow, <laughs> you know, but that's yeah. just me. And I was going to say, probably the top movie that anyone that argues for practical effects, like, uses yeah with good reason with good reason like i said when we were talking about it earlier i i even thinking about it my hair was standing on end like that that scene you know with the body out of the top of the other body but name any of those scenes the dog scene my hair is standing on end the fucking chest scene my like there's no effect in this movie that didn't make my fucking skin crawl oh certainly for body horror it's yeah. right up like probably the the best example of body horror on film i would say yeah i 100 percent agree with that i'm thinking of something like uh i feel like i don't know if you guys have seen this, but the movie Society. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. So that one, I, I feel like they literally took the practical effects of this and were like, let's just literally make a movie that's just this, but like with mountains of coke sprinkled on top of it. And that's it. <laughs> well, again, society. I love yeah. society, but like this is like clearly the most effective version of that type of body horror. And Oh, God. Well, yeah, I was going to say society. He's he's such a master. Yeah, it has like one great scene of body horror, which is like the flesh orgy section. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, uh, but the rest of the movie just does not hit consistently like the thing does, I don't think, for even its effects. Right. Obviously, putting the story and like everything else aside, but just for looking at visual effects, I think. Yeah, it's just this one got in the bag. There's definitely like a a Mount Rushmore of the wettest movies. And I feel like it's like society. I can't believe you just fucking said that phrase. Society, the thing, and probably Frank and Hellraiser, I feel. I'm not sure that it gets any wetter than those three. Well, I mean, Mount Rushmore is four faces, isn't it? I I think from what I remember in my head, Videodrome is pretty like nasty as well, but it's been a while since I've seen it, so yeah, maybe I'll the to... fly? The fly? Yeah, like the, the fly the oh fly can make it up in as yeah. the fourth wettest movie. Uh yeah. y'all, we're just like throwing out david cronenberg's entire fucking yeah. canon right now yeah. like here we go wettest that's movie. the uh that's the official watch <laughs> spin mojo the wheel for any for david cronenberg ever <laughs> yeah i i think we've been like a little too kind to this movie overall obviously i think we all really like this movie but is there any like issues you guys have at all with the movie because like i said the the spaceship a little bit for me is kind of always bumpy when I watch this. I I will admit if 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 I have any issue with the movie, it's not just the like cheap shoddy shitty looking spaceship at the beginning, but it's the fact that they kind of show that at all. Yeah. I I I in my head and I think when I first saw it when I was like much younger like you know, whenever that was in my tween years. And I feel like years passed before I'd seen it again. And I didn't remember them actually showing any of the spaceship at all. I feel like they more like used their scientific knowledge to like build inferences to get to the fact that it was an alien or we are supposed to come to that conclusion. And then I remember like years having gone by and then rewatching it. And when they actually show the ship and stuff, I'm like, that actually disappoints me because it's just too basic yeah it's too obvious you know what i mean yeah it feels like a holdover from the earlier versions of this which rowan mentioned that like you know this is based on the thing from another world which is based on an old story who goes there right it just feels like from a different sort of science fiction movie than we've been watching up to, yeah it's like, like the ed wood era holdover or something <laughs> yeah like specifically for me like 
when they build the saucer or they explicitly like show the saucer near the end of the movie and like Blair was supposed to be uh, like I don't know like that little section which is only in like two to three minutes of the movie opens up so many questions in my head that it is just like it's almost like a you know a, a tower of cards or dominoes or whatever it's like okay wait so when was he getting out the scavenge off, you know, the helicopter to build this flying saucer? Wait, did he dig this whole tunnel with his hands? He dug this whole section, you know, this hangar beneath? Okay, what is the saucer for? Is it just to get to the mainland? Because if so, then why didn't he just take the helicopter? And why, how is he going to fly it out of a fucking hole in the ground? <laughs> <laughs> with a little like two with a little like three foot wide opening <laughs> yeah and and like it's all supposed to happen in like four or five days right and it's just like yeah. fuck it's only two to three minutes of the movie like why does it even have to be in here they pretty much introduce it and then throw a molotov on it like 30 seconds you later could cut it out and yeah. it honestly wouldn't have made any difference to the, the plot it, it just think. yeah it just feels goofy and like uh i don't know like the grenade throw right right in the beginning of the movie like you know it's just a little bit of a goofy tone like when the norwegian guy tries to throw the grenade and it just falls behind him and blows up the helicopter like that's kind of silly but it's like that tone isn't really in the movie for a lot of it it's just literally like that saucer moment well and i was gonna say i like same as you guys i just i feel that's where the movie lets down is anytime it tries to inject like that real campy sci-fi yeah. stuff and i get that he was probably trying to like homage to it's like yeah. origins of flying saucer movies from yes, the 50s of course yeah and i i think like even not just the original of this but like i know he's been very vocal like you know at john carpenter as a kid like that's what he was into yeah. and and i i get it i appreciate it but yeah like like you guys said like i don't think it adds anything to the tension or the story no. It kind of takes you out of it. And also, I think there would be more tension, you know, which I think a lot of horror movies that do this, we see that it works where the less we know about this thing, the better. I kept thinking if it was off screen it would even be more acceptable. I just didn't want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? For me, it was just kind of like, I wish it almost, I wish he kind of based this off of like, uh, the Mountains of Madness or something, like a Lovecraft story in terms of like, we don't know what it is. It is something dark and, you know, eldritch essentially that we unearth beneath the ice and there's not really an explanation for what it is because we get what it is. Like it's some sort of alien organism. We get that yeah, through and watching and they say the that it had been there for like 100,000 years, which gives it that Lovecraftian ancient, you know. Yeah, it, it just yeah. doesn't have to be a flying saucer. Like it, it just, it's it's yeah. goofy. It's a, it's a holdover from like a completely different movie, like tonally. Um, yeah. The other thing that kind of bumps for me is I wish they slightly jostled around, um, the like generator and burning down the whole facility logic because they wind up going they burn like half the base and then they go down into the generator room and then then they're like concerned about turning the generator back on and then they're like oh it's gone he's like well what do you mean it's gone it's gone and i'm like why do you guys even fucking care at this point? You're already burning down half yeah. the base. Why couldn't they have checked that first and then realized, okay, we can't get the power back on. Let's burn this bitch down. It's just, yeah. it's just like, it's a logic thing that it's like, this movie is so smart the entire time that I'll be like, oh, they forgot to test Blair's blood. And like literally the next line out of someone's mouth is like, we ought to go test Blair's blood. <laughs> you know, yeah. that it's just like, yeah. I feel like I am completely in line with the guys in the movie that I never have to question any of their logic or any of their reasoning. And then it's just, 
just like that that like one except little thing for that yeah yeah except for that moment and that moment also happened like five to ten minutes after the saucer moment so it's like man there's a couple of missteps right at the end of this that like it makes me go like oh damn i wish i just wish this was a little bit different here i agree with that because i did think on this watch the exact same thing i was like you guys have already committed that you're like you gotta basically kill yourselves yes but but now you're worried about like oh we need power yeah and also i think a fuse blows earlier in the movie as well right so like how do they know this is a like it could have just been another fuse blowing how did they know that the generator was out or how they how did they know at the time that there was absolutely no hope of ever getting the power back on you know what i mean like it's just yeah it's just a weird choice like i understand why they do it in terms of they want the big like final boss fight you know the climax yes, of the of movie course. to happen in the generator room but you you could have come up with a different reason to get back down there i feel like yeah it's just like mechanical really right like yeah it's just we need to move from point a to point b to point c for sure yeah i was gonna say too uh my big thing with this watch especially is if anyone had ever asked me i would say i'm not a kurt douglas fan uh, are you trying to say kurt russell kurt russell sorry <laughs> I, was, I, was gonna, I was gonna say am i don't know why i said literally gonna divorce you so <laughs> no uh, you just but, you just caused our divorce so just know but that listen, right now but listen what i'm saying is like nor like in my mind in my mind i'm always like ah you know like kurt russell like yeah he's in the thing he's in some like escape from new york and that's and i'm like yeah yeah like whatever but every time i see him in something i'm like man i really like kurt russell because he's amazing i know i know but i'm not gonna lie to me uh keith david just star of the movie i knew that he was gonna come up fucking love keith david a and he's the man B. <laughs> Fair. I, I will give you that. <laughs> yeah, for me, I don't think anyone's really like a standout. Like, obviously, yes, they position Kurt Russell as like the star of the movie, but for me, it's just like all of the different characters have like defining characteristics about them and they get enough screen time that even though I wouldn't yeah. be able to name them because I just suck at names in movies, but like I can basically be like, oh, okay, that's the guy with the sunglasses. That's the guy with kind of the fro. That's the guy with, you know, yeah, that's the no, old right. guy. It's, you know? it's, it's definitely more of an ensemble piece than you might think it's going to be going going into it for sure yes yeah i mean like obviously kurt russell's positioned as like the helicopter pilot the fly to the norwegian base and stuff like that but yeah yeah it's just i don't really have a favorite it's it's like you know i'm fine with well fine with everyone dying is a weird way to say it but i mean it's just kind of like yeah. you feel like when they die you're like okay that's another one gone like you know it's uh yeah, yeah it's Let's just like get a matter of fact em. yeah exactly right <laughs> although i will say i i don't know the actor's name i can't remember the character's name but the guy that plays like the radio guy that always has Oh, Windows? Windows? Windows, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, are they calling him Windows because he always has glasses on? <laughs> I, w- I was, th- this view, I was a big fan of Windows. I was just like, man, this guy is awesome. Honestly, I think Windows was like the voice of reason. They're like, you have to get a hold of somebody. And he's like, bitch, please. We're out in the middle of fucking Antarctica. Like, who am I getting a hold of? <laughs> like, I love that. Fucking put your big boy panties on. Yeah, I love that right at the beginning of the movie too, like McCready just like ruins one of the like, only computers they have like in terms of like that you can interface like, or like ah. yeah it's just like pours his drink rage in the... quit that's the, yeah. that was the og rage quit him yeah fucking dumping his bourbon so bad in <laughs> inside chess. is inside yeah. that computer yeah by the way i love that fucking computer i love that like insanely high-tech fucking chess machine you want you want that computer so you can play chess just all day while you drink? Well, I don't know how to play chess. I feel like it would sass me enough that I'd either give up completely or learn how to play chess like 
Bobby Fischer. Well, it's it's not Maybe. hard to learn how to play chess. It's hard to be good at chess. <laughs> okay, but see, some of us can't remember things like which way pieces move, so it is oh, kind okay. of hard to learn chess. <laughs> okay. I, I have a really shit memory, so... You gotta watch anyway. the Queen's Gambit, man. Take some notes. <laughs> okay, fair. If anybody can teach me how to play chess, it's gonna be Anya Taylor-Joy. <laughs> yes. So in real uh, three-year anniversary fashion, I'm gonna channel fallen comrade Exilia in this complaint, because I know in her mind, when we watched this together, she was thinking it was all movies, especially like older movies where like uh, he's on the computer and the cells doing like its sequence. Yeah. And like these, you know, computers that like couldn't even run like a DOS system are like super high tech and like figuring out all these complicated scientific problems. The alien cells are replicating the animal cells. It, like, it, okay, it's, bitch. It's so good though because it like literally spells it out for us on screen that it says there is a 75% <laughs> yeah. chance that one or more crew members are infected, right? <laughs> so instantly where you've probably been thinking in that movie that it's like, okay, one person is infected. Who is it? You're like, oh shit. It instantly it like could opens be up. Like- all yeah. Of them, yeah. Yeah, it opens up the doors that it's like, oh shit, it is more than one person, right? It literally spells yes, it out. To be for you. fair, it's very good at like cutting out probably 15 minutes of like exposition yes. that would yeah. really bog down the movie. So I will give it that. I and you know what? I, I just feel like they're still ahead of the curve because I feel like computers still can't do a lot of that. But hey, listen, I can ask Siri to do almost anything for me, so they were ahead of their time. I feel like I'll I'm, give them I'm a bit just of credit. Spoiled. Like, I mean, I remember the days of but I just know when those cells are moving, I'm like, come on, let's get like I'd be resetting my modem, and if that happens, I need a better connection than this slow ass. Yeah, cell but girl, moving. you saw that fucking fancy ass walnut paneled VCR by Panasonic they were using to watch their pre-recorded videotapes. You know if they could afford that insanely beautiful. VCR, <laughs> that they were throwing some money at their computers, okay? Yeah, th- this is very true. I mean, I don't even know how long we've been talking about this movie, and I'm still surprised that Mike has yet to bring up uh, music. Girl, it's score. literally the first thing I have written down on my notes. It is. I, the I will, score. I will confirm <laughs> to the listeners. It is okay, the first thing. I, yes, I was holding it up to my webcam. Uh, like, literally, John Carpenter cannot be praised enough He's a god. for his musical ability. Like, he is somebody that I feel like maybe last week there was some posts making the rounds on like Twitter about I think it was like Scorsese like singing his praises and talking about how he doesn't get enough credit as being like an absolute like genius you know master craftsman and I you know I was thinking that before we even started uh, to watch this for the podcast he's really like he's right he is an actual like master craftsman and then when I was watching this I was like every time I watch one of his movies I'm like oh yeah I ordered that CD back in the day or whatever like I got it imported from like you know Italy or whatever because I was like obsessed every movie I watched of his I was like oh my god this fucking soundtrack it's not just like a horror score it's like just an album like if some instrumental like prog rock group put it out it would have been like a huge hit (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, like on the like prog rock charts in the eighties or whatever. Wait, y- and you said so Scorsese. Moody. Did did you mean Carpenter when you said that, or or was someone no, praising was Scorsese singing, then? But you know. he was singing Carpenter's praises. Oh, that's what I was gotcha. trying to say. Yeah, gotcha. it was okay. like an interview with him where he was saying like, and actually, I think he was talking about something being like not appreciated at the time, and it might have even been the thing. Oh, okay, but yeah, and um, anyway, but you know, we all everybody's like the Halloween score, right? Like being iconic and legendary and everyone's like oh my god like he but like I just think like you watch this you watch any of his movies even like the kind of you know quote lesser ones and like Escape from New York the absolute like pulsing atmospheric like moody scores that he comes up with like he is a genius musician too it's like fuck I know it was born out of a like DIY I have a low budget and I have to do this myself but like goddamn, like I think that he does better music for movies and music in general than most people whose like literal only job is to score movies <laughs> people who score like blockbusters I don't think are as good at it as him well because he's I... so minimalist you know it just Oh, fuck. I'm just like, I'm like wetting myself here. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, it's probably like, I think the guy literally has like concerts and stuff now, doesn't he? That that he like sells out where he just like. Groups. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's been putting out, he's been putting out albums for the last, yeah. like, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so. And it's like essentially movie scores with no movies. Yeah, I, I, th- I think this one, like, obviously a lot of people, when they think of John Carpenter, they just point to the use of like synths. Right. But yeah. in this one, there's actually a lot of like violin squeals, which is like a very modern trapping of horror. And I kind of like yeah. I assume the thing isn't the first one to use violin <laughs> squeals, obviously, for a horror movie. But as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is like it kind of elevates the score from just being like a great John Carpenter score that it's like, oh, this also feels somewhat modern as well when I'm listening to it because of the violin. And it was just like, oh, this, yeah, this is a very good score. Well, and the, the interesting thing about this, I mean, first, my hot take, I think this is a far better score than Halloween. Oh, 100 percent I will I, I've listened to this score just like sitting down yeah. while doing other things way more than Halloween. Halloween's very niche. It's very it's like listening to the psycho score. Yeah. Well yeah, and it, you can, it has you like you can a, sit down and do it, but it it has no like application outside of the movie, right? It has one killer track essentially, like one or two like really good tracks. Yeah. Obviously the theme is absolutely iconic, right? Like far yeah. more iconic yeah. than the score. But this is just more consistent for sure. Oh, exactly. Yeah, this is something that yeah, you can stretch out over an hour yes yeah and it's 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 movements whereas like you said yeah those those are more moments yeah well and what i what i think is interesting about this score i can't think of his name so there was someone that wasn't carpenter that scored this film that does like the violins yeah i i know i'm trying to remember his name too um i've listened to it eight million times and for whatever reason it's totally um and i was gonna say it's impressive because uh he actually the movie wasn't done when he scored it like he just scored it blindly so this guy was like i'm just gonna do pieces and you put them in but to me and that's why i love the score so much is i don't think that guy's parts are iconic in it i think it's all the tonal stuff carpenter does to supplement it that like bring it to that level which to me is just super impressive because i can't think of the guy's name but like the guy is you know a professional classical composer and then carpenter's just elevating it to a whole new yeah, level yeah it's on the tip of my tongue and i feel yeah like i can't idiot, i can't think of his name I Wait, just, are, I'm having are you guys talking right about ennio morricone yeah he did it and there's some other guy i think that was in it too okay but yes that's i was gonna, I was gonna say because ennio morricone like that dude's 
absolutely iconic for music as well right so yeah it is like a collaborative effort right between them like no wonder it is something special yeah exactly either one of them on their own makes like legendary scoring but like two of them together yeah i I will add uh because the listeners are probably going to be interested to know i noticed that mike uh was talking about the soundtrack how wet he made them i just got noticed that mike has been added to the wetness mount rushmore so mike uh, you're the fifth wettest thing. I love to be the fifth. I love being the fifth wheel or the fifth wet fifth. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that joke went on way too long. Uh, <laughs> let's pretend that never happened. <laughs> I know Colton brought it up. Uh, do we want to talk about like the intricacies of uh, of like the infection, like who it infected, all that kind of stuff? I don't know if we need to get into like the details of how it's passed from one person to another, but I think if we're going to talk about who is infected i think we need to discuss the ending for sure yeah like, well this is this is what we really want to get to yeah how do you guys fall on the Bro, ending? just, think just jump jump to it jump to it all <laughs> right get into the 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 glints in people's eyes and the the mouth vapor and stuff rowan i'm sure you got it there so my reading of it was that kurt russell is the thing that was always my reading oh, and that okay. that handing him the bottle because we're told, you know, towards the, the beginning of the film or, I, you know, kind of the middle, we're told, like, you guys need to prepare your own food and drinks you can't yeah share and eat then from he cans etc yeah eat yeah. from cans where he purposely when childs comes back and they sit down you know they do the well i don't know if you're the thing i don't know if you're the thing and then kurt russell's like oh here have a drink and we'll see and then childs drinks it and then we specifically get that quick camera shot of kurt russell smiling while he drinks it and i always assumed that that was he's just like oh i got you now that's funny because I, I i completely think it's child's like it, it like to me i am so strongly that i believe it's child's that i don't even think it's an ambiguous ending like no no for me it, it's literally like well first of all he wanders off in the blizzard chasing after somebody like without a jacket and all that stuff which is absolutely crazy there's uh I, I read this online, but it is true. He When he appears in the final shot of the film, he's wearing a different color jacket than he's been wearing for most of the movie, which is just instantly like, why is he wearing a different color jacket? The thing is known, like when it possesses someone, like it winds up like shedding like it's clothing, right? And then it needs to put on new yeah. clothes, right? And I think there was like all this stuff which has been debunked. And when I was watching it, I was like, this is just absolute horse shit. Where they were talking about how earlier in the movie, the cinematographer like didn't put key light in somebody's eyes during the blood scene to kind of telegraph which person is infected. So people were saying near the end, like Keith David didn't have um, the key lights in his eyes, which I mean, when I rewatched it, like, he does have key lights at some points when he adjusts his posturing. So I think it's literally just like, I think that's just like an, you know, an urban legend around the movie. Yeah. yeah, It was just like, he was so conveniently off screen for so long and doing just weird ass things and just wandering towards him at the end that I think it was very much like how I read the ending was I I know like Rowan said like, Oh, he kind of like chuckles or smiles like, you know, Kurt Russell does. But the way I read it was literally like, I'm screwed anyway. I know like we're both not getting out of this. It was just like, I might as well, share a drink with it and it's almost like hopelessly laughing at like he's just screwed like he doesn't have anything left in the tank to even fight this off you know he doesn't know for certain yeah. that he is the thing but it's also like I don't care anymore you know I'm I'm done yeah. <laughs> you know they go out of their way to show like how like volatile he is and 
kind of like easily set off and then yeah. at the end it's just he seems like so serene it's yeah. so bizarre yeah for- also i okay i never do like very rarely do i do like dives because i don't want i don't ever want to do too much research because i don't want to like taint my reading yeah but when i was looking up i was making a when i was looking for images of young kurt russell from this movie to make a tweet about <laughs> when i was trying to find a really good one that i was looking for i happened on a, a web page and i just read like a couple lines of something saying how people apparently were theorizing that at the end that it was not a drink of alcohol but it was the molotov cocktail gasoline and that's why yeah and i was like and i never read too much into it but i was like as soon as i saw that i was like okay i'm not gonna read anymore but i totally get where they're coming from yeah so it's such an interesting theory yeah it's a very popular fan theory because i don't think mccrady actually drinks from the bottle i think he's about to drink from the bottle and then he just decides to pass it to childs instead and obviously we yeah. saw him like a couple scenes before making all the molotovs to blow up the whole thing so that's like where yeah. it stems from that it's like he is laughing because he just gave childs you know <laughs> gasoline and the dude just gasoline. drank it like it was nothing yeah right but obviously there's nothing really there to support that it's a kind of no a strange, exactly it's... but it, it's it, it is an interesting reading you know and i was gonna say another one i had seen uh was also which i tried to look for in this i found it really hard to see but i've seen some people argue for and against that someone said that uh childs still had his earring in and that when the thing takes you over that it actually like gets rid of everything so that that's something that's established in the 2011 movie not in this one right well yeah yeah. and then it's and then they're bringing it back to this reading but i've also seen because like i said uh they really shadow that last image of childs well well, so like i couldn't overly see if he had the earring so then i was like well if you're bringing that back well me if he doesn't have you know if he doesn't have the earring, then maybe also, yes. It's just, I don't know. I feel like there's other people in the movie, like, because they all have, like, weird piercings, you know, like, one of them has, like, the nose ring and stuff like that. Like, is it consistent that, like, when he becomes infected, he doesn't have his nose ring? Or, like, once again, like, I've seen readings of this where it's like, well, in the final scene, Childs, like, when he breathes, there's no vapor that comes out of his mouth. And then it's just like, no, guys, it's just a dark shot. And if you're watching it closely, yeah. like, in HD, you can see that there is vapor that comes out of his mouth is just obviously kurt russell is sitting facing the flames and child is facing back yeah. onto the flames right they didn't drink enough coffee i saw that what was kind of interesting was the uh a lot of the sets uh because they shot this in bc they shot this in alaska but they also did a lot of the sets just like in a studio in yeah. la in a refrigerator right a refrigerated like refrigerated yeah. it and uh carpenter talks about like how shitty it was because they couldn't get people's breath to show yeah so he's like we'd basically have to get them to scald their mouths with hot coffee and they'd have to drink all this super hot coffee and then immediately shoot so they could see like the breath in the air it's funny like in modern movies whenever it's cold like that is something i spot like a mile away that it's like oh they got the cgi breath in here yeah 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 it's so obvious they can't nail it for whatever reason but i was gonna say as we sit here and we you know we're like oh child's or whoever like to me yet another sign of just
just kind of the greatness of this movie. Like, I don't know, not everyone loves it, but man, I love like an ambiguous ending that like, yeah. I can go on the internet and just deep dive into yeah. 8 million conspiracies. We haven't brought up anything uh, about the thing and being representative of the fake moon landing or any, I'm just kidding. There's no oh, I was going to say, let's not get into this again. <laughs> I, I'm just bringing trauma back to uh, Colton. But yeah, no, it, it's the, it's a great ending and like as soon as it ended this time like I was talking to Josh again and we were kind of like going back and forth like who do you think it is and both of us just on our own like decided like it does like my reading of the movie was Child's and then when I read up on like I don't know these popular like infection timelines you know where someone's like I spent two weeks breaking down every scene of this movie and I know yeah. the, the ultimate infection like they settled on Child's as well which is like yeah it was just kind of like okay well at least it supports my read of the movie I guess but I completely I'm understand what Rowan said yeah are you telling me colton you didn't break this film down for two weeks no no i've only seen it a handful of times like i said (laughs) not at that point yet (laughs) not at the point that just go through every still motion of it i mean there's much worse movies you could do that with this wouldn't be as much of a chore (laughs) as some other ones that's for sure. So I think it's important to bring up, I guess, kind of the legacy of this. Uh, I thought it was interesting just when I was looking about it. So this wasn't, like, successful when it came out yeah. at all. Like, I saw it was, like, a $15 million budget and only made $19 million. I Like, it was kind of considered, a, you know, a flop, which is interesting because this was... Carpenter talks about, you know, this This was, like, the big studio came a-knocking and was, like, well you can do whatever you want like Mm -hmm. just you know anything uh just you know we want you your films make money and uh i just think it's interesting that uh you know not a success but you know going forward now i mean i think i think a lot of people have this is like one of the great horror movies 100 percent, yeah this would definitely be yeah this would definitely be in probably like my top five horror movies right so it is like yeah even though it wasn't a big hit when it came out it's just so iconic now i think it was people like I don't know if Roger Ebert said it about this movie, but I know like just like the gore and effects for a lot of people were just like too much at the time. Like it was just like, yeah. uh, what about the children? You know? Yeah. And that's kind of what I've always thought looking at it. I'm like, for sure, like the gore was probably an issue at the time. Cause you know, even Carpenter talked about like, he knew like we're doing stuff that people haven't seen before. And it's just like super, you know, super gory. And I think especially, you know, if you're, you know, the casual, like oh I you know I, I saw Halloween in the theater that John Carpenter guy like you know there, there's no gore in Halloween basically yep so you're kind of getting that like shock to the system is there anything else I we want to talk about with this I I feel you know we're hopefully we're not beating too much on a dead horse I I mean everyone talks about this movie everyone you know, it, it's a very talked about film. Well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I have notes there, but we've pretty much touched on everything. It's like, yeah, this is one of those yeah. movies you could probably go scene by scene and say something about like almost every scene. I guess before we leave, I want to mention just, this is a silly point, but one of my friends, she always mentions about how good like the animals are as an actor in the movies. Oh, that's such a good dog actor or whatever. Cause it's like, I don't know, looking happy and wagging its tail or something. The dog in this movie is actually a good actor, which is funny. It's really 
really like they got it trained so perfectly. I was thinking that honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's just the way it's like staring, the way it's posed in scenes, the way like it's just it's always chilling. It's just like a presence that's always there and watching. And I and I like that feeling of being watched is one of those like primal like fears of mine that it's like whenever I see it like done well on screen, it it always like gets under my skin. So yeah, the dog. I have to point out the dog is actually a good actor in this movie. Carpenter actually talks about it. He says this is the best animal he ever worked with. So the dog is like a a trained actor. It, he it was kind of funny. He talked about uh, the scene where they bring the dog in with the other dogs none of those dogs were acting dogs oh okay so he said it was like this really big issue because he was like hey you're trying to get them to all lay down yeah and you bring in this dog and he's like automatically they just want to jump up and start barking at the dog yeah so he was like saying it was like this and he was like so it really helped that they could use the rubber dog because he's like, we put the rubber dog and the dogs didn't care. It yeah. was just the real dog. <laughs> but he was saying that they didn't, in, he said it was just kind of, you know, one of those things that works out. Like they didn't instruct the dog not to look at the camera, yeah. but he talks about like the dog just never looked at the camera. So it made it that more creepy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll give I'll give this one dog an okay for me. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you were a dog hater. <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm a dog hater. <laughs> horror hounds. Do you guys like horror music? I like horror music. Exilia likes horror music. We know Mike definitely loves horror music. So if you love horror music like we do, uh, join us on Spotify. Uh, we have a playlist up called the It Slays Podcast horrific playlist we have some of our favorite tasty jams from some of our favorite horror movies uh, and we're always consistently adding to the list and let us know you can uh email us or facebook or instagram us and let us know if there's anything we should add to the playlist so we will get into rating it. If you are new to the program, our rating system is nay, okay, yay, or slay. We will start with the thin aficionado Mike. <laughs> Fucking slay. <laughs> of course, like there was any <laughs> doubt. Classic peak period. John Carpenter with a brutally amazing score and young at his peak, Kurt Russell with a giant unkempt beard and hair. What is not to love about this movie? What is not to love? Tell me. I want to know. If you're going to disagree with me, tell me that it's not a sleigh. No Go. arguments. <laughs> no, I, I'm not I'm not going to argue with you either, Mike. Uh, yeah, just like the sense of like dread and paranoia, like this movie just like conjures up amongst the viewer as well, where you're constantly wondering like, who is infected, which one of them is the thing. It makes you like an active participant in a movie, unlike a lot of other movies do. Like, sure, there's whodunits and murder mysteries that, like, that's kind of what they're doing the entire time, but I I don't know if I've seen it, like, so effectively done in a horror movie. Like I said, there's a couple of very small, like, nitpicks near the third act for me that kind of don't land as well as they should yeah but i mean no movie i don't think is like truly perfect but this is this is pretty close to it for like a horror movie so i yeah it's an absolute slay for me and i think it's an apps you know it's a masterpiece of like body horror for sure ro what do you think are we gonna have to get divorced for the third time this hour (laughs) 
I mean, this is a this is a hundred percent a sleigh. This I was is gonna a, say, all right, a okay. masterclass in special effects, a masterclass in tension, a masterclass in everything. Really, like I said, even the parts that we griped about, I don't have that big of a gripe about the sci-fi stuff. I can live with. It's still cool. It's still whatever. It it doesn't take enough away from yeah. this movie yeah. to make me not like it. I mean. Do I think this is a sleigh on the level of, like, a Predator 2? Probably not. It's probably below. But what is? God. What is? I mean, yeah. Like, there's no Danny Glover. There's no Gary Busey. I mean, it, it could use a couple of those things. We're not getting no, into this but- again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it it's it's awesome. It's awesome. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing with your like, hey, why did you listen to this whole episode and let us ruin it for you? I can't even say we would have ruined it for you. You just watch it. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you've seen it 10 times, go watch it an 11th time. Yeah. This yeah. movie's just Period. as good Period. every time I watch it. I like it more and more as I get older. It, it's perfection. It's chef's kiss. Perfect. So, uh, since we talked about what we would rate it, uh, we asked you guys on social media, uh, what do you think? And we did get a couple answers on Facebook and Instagram. So, on the old Facebook, we got a response from Sean Pierce. Uh, are you guys sitting in your seats? <laughs> he said he thinks it's overrated. Okay. Oh, no. Listen, I mean... No explanation. Just, he said it well, was I'm overrated. Open, I'm open to hearing about such an opinion with context. Yeah, I was going to say... Say, Give maybe, me context. maybe write in a little bit more, Sean, and explain, you know, why you think it's overrated. But yeah, yeah I mean, I- I'd listen to it. I don't know if I'd agree. Fair, but... Maybe you're just not a John Carpenter fan. It's okay. We still love you. We, we still love you. Uh, So we did. Holy crap. Good thing I own my Instagram people because we got more answers. Oh, awesome. Uh, All right. While we have not been paying attention. So uh, creepy girly on Instagram said, One word, awesome. She didn't say one word. She just said awesome. Our good friend, author Brad Dunn, responded with one of the goat emojis. Yes. (laughs) Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Agreed. Uh, McKill underscore 426 said, love this movie. That blood test scene still feels tense every time I watch it. Completely agree. There we go. Yep. Yep. Brad also again just sent a goat emoji again. (laughs) He really wants to drive home his point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So it's the double as uh, to paraphrase Blanche Devereaux from Golden Girls. It's the seldom achieved double goat emoji review from Brad Uh, so, and then our last one is from A Plus Drivers NL. Oh, okay. Uh, they said wet and gross, but excellent. Uh, Yep. Honestly, everything about that, totally on point. (laughs) So, our next segment, a new segment. We have to bring something new after three years. We're like, these guys are going to get tired of the same old thing. Do you want to uh, do the honors, Colton? Yeah, I mean, let me bring it up here. But yeah, essentially, we're going to listen to uh, some of the voicemails you've all sent into our horrific hotline. Uh, This is for Horror Hotline. I'm looking for your top five game changer movies. Game changer now. 
something that just revolutionized that shit. This is Sean. What's up, Rowan? Yeah. <laughs> Top five game changers. All right, cool. Thanks. Keep doing what you're doing. Well, thanks for calling it, Sean. Top five. Sean Pierce again. I He'll get angry if we say the thing, won't he? He thinks it's overrated. <laughs> This is hard. I I don't know if on the spot we can do like each top five. Do we each just kind of want to pick one and then we'll? I was gonna say we'll just mishmash. We'll mishmash five together. Um, As long as we're not doing purely horror movies, then I'll have an issue. But uh, just top personal four, I can definitely do. I got them there on Letterboxd, you know. So uh, I'm trying to think. But he said specifically horror, didn't he? Did he? Oh shit! Yeah, I th- I think he said horror. Okay, well, all right, I I'll I'll go right away. Yeah. To me, uh, let's go a little newer. Get out, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would put that on mine too. I think you know, for uh, a black voice in horror, especially a director, something that was like so impactful to the culture in general. Yeah, yeah I, a Get Out would be one of mine. How about you, Mike? Um, okay, this is not gonna be definitive because I'm literally just thinking of, no, of it I, off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm racking my brain I'm too. Be like, just yeah. Go for Get it. Out would definitely be one of them. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street, Three particularly, um, Psycho, Scream, uh, several Wes Craven <laughs> adjacent yeah. movies there. But th- again, this is literally just being put on the spot like that. So I those are those are absolute game changers for me personally. I'm not saying like that's everyone's game changers, but I feel like they all kind of like carved out a little uh, new little new spot in the uh, the old wet Mount Rushmore there. <laughs> yeah, for me, like obviously, I agree. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We just did The Shining, which I I think is you know. Just one of the best horror movies of all time. The Thing, which we literally just did. I, you know, I agree with that as well. A little bit of a like a lesser known horror movie that I think is like absolutely excellent is The Devils, which is a Ken Russell movie that was like banned. Ken for Russell. Years. Oh my god, I yeah. got totally stoned watching that one time and like completely. Dude, the, the, the by Devil. By the way, short short circuit in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> I've only watched it for the first time within the last year, and it was just because it had all this hype on Shutter about how it was a banned movie and uh, whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, no, my friend and I. Like we have a a weekly or biweekly like horror movie night, and when we watch that, we both like absolutely loved it. Like easy five star movie for me. Some more modern choices. Um, I really loved It Follows when it came out. Um, oh yeah. I I don't know if every single time I watch it, it holds up quite as well as the very first time I watched it, where I was like absolutely like terrified in the theater and just like completely vibing with it as well. And I don't know. I, I, I think I would probably put the lighthouse. I do have at a five star and I know the lighthouse is not like an easy one, but I, I have to like, you know, point out one of those like elevated horror movies. It was pristine. a game changer though. In yeah. A lot of ways. I have to point out like a lot of people would probably point to the witch for that, but you know, I, I, I prefer the lighthouse. So personally, like, yeah, you know, I, I, I think, you know, Robert Eggers is just constantly changing the game. So, oh, yeah. What about you, Rowan? We, we, we vamped on. You must have a couple other picks by now. Yeah. So uh, one that we did uh, review, I, I'm going to say Friday the 13th. I think it kind of, you know. I think it changed the game for just like slasher genre, like pointless gore kills, stuff like that. We hadn't really seen anything till that came. This is a hard one. I'm going to say the killer in the movie too. Like that was huge with Friday the 13th where like, it yeah. actually, you know, it, 
it, Jason Voorhees wasn't even the killer like in the first one, right? It was awesome. And I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up a, a bit because I feel like most people a, a go to would be Night of the Living Dead, but I'm gonna go with Day of the Living Dead. I think that is kind of. I don't know if I'd say it's the first, you know, game changer, realistically. For me, it was where that was the first movie I ever saw that that really pointed at, like, we are the monsters, not the monsters. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Day of the Dead is just, to me, you know, they, it's everything that really scares me in movies. Just, like, breakdown of society and, you know, that Lord of the Flies, just, like, kill or be killed survival thing. I, I think I think that's a game changer and also a great soundtrack. So I, I feel like we've that that's on, on top of the head, I feel like we've given a lot of different answers. Yeah, maybe some point in the future we'll do like an actual like Q and A episode or something and actually get into our top five horror movies. I need a lot more time, I think, than just off the top of my head, but hopefully yeah. we satisfied a couple there for you, Sean. Hey, it's Lace Podcast. It's your friend Patrick from over at the Every Horror Movie on Netflix podcast. Uh, I wanted to call and wish you all a happy anniversary, but I'm going to be real with you. we got more important things than that to talk <laughs> about. You know, first you got Colton over there daring to say that he's got a problem with Malignant. Okay, I can oh. take that. It was only one of the best films of 2021, <laughs> but fine. But then, but then you have me on to talk Paranormal Activity 1 and 2, which is a fine and gentlemanly activity, and Exilia has the audacity to disagree with me on just about everything. <laughs> but you know what? That wasn't even the But I like the movie Hush, and I've been wanting to choose it for our podcast to review for well over a year now. I had plans to pick it next month. And if everything else wasn't bad enough, I just found out that y'all have the absolute ball to review it in the same damn month. Oh, man, he's shade. Well, look, it's like podcast. A horror fan can only take so much. I've had it with this little cold war between our podcast. And so <laughs> I propose a challenge. You send that malignant hater Colton over to our show for our Hush review, and we'll send Steven over to your show for your Hush review. I don't know what it's going to prove exactly, but we'll see who has the best Hush review. We'll see who the best horror podcast is once and for all. And we'll probably have a lot of fun. No, man. I love you. Bye. Patrick throwing the gauntlet down. I'm obsessed. So angry. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. uh, yeah, And also spoiling that we were going to be reviewing uh, Hush regardless of, uh, you know, it not winning our (laughs) our poll. So, so angry and so just such disregard for our listeners that he just spoiled it out of spite, I'm sure. Well, I can already answer who the best uh, horror podcast is. You know, it's uh, whichever one I'm on that week, which will be. I guess every horror movie on Netflix. Which coincidentally will not be us. Will not be this one, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'll go on there. I'll, I'll hate on Malignant some more. And uh, I, I feel like on their latest episode, he had some positive things to say about Jurassic Park. So maybe we can we can broker a piece, possibly. We'll see. You can Patrick. find some common ground. Yeah, yes. do the old predator handshake, you know? Yeah. We'll, s- we'll send you on the, uh, the peaceful mission and hopefully reconcile the differences. We'll just see if we can... We can do that. Uh, we have one more that uh, we had some technical difficulties 
and uh, Steven from every horror movie on Netflix ah. uh, tried to call in and he couldn't get it to work. So he just messaged me and, you know, said happy anniversary. Uh, and he did have a question he wanted us to answer. So he said, I wanted to ask y'all what your favorite Valentine's Day horror movies are. Minor Possession from 1981 and The Fly the from taste. 1986. The Love taste. me a doomed relationship story with a fucked up monster. Man, one of you guys are going to have to go first for sure. I, I have no clue. I'm going to try and furiously Google this. I don't even, have, I don't even have to think about it. My bloody While Val- I will agree with them on possession, I will also agree with Rowan and say my bloody Valentine. My bloody Valentine. Serve. Serve. Canadian serve. That's Cindy right. Dale, we're, rep- we're representing Canada all day up here. Oh my God. I have no clue, guys. I'm trying to even see like what ones are specifically about Valentine's Day. Um, yeah, Stephen. Colton doesn't believe in love. <laughs> also, the, the movie Valentine, which I remember finding mediocre a million years ago when I watched it, but I feel like if I rewatched it now, I might appreciate it more. It's having a real renaissance. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. A lot of people are posting about it, so I feel like I need to revisit it. So thank you for that prompt to go back and watch Valentine. Bro, I have, I have no clue. I'm just going to say my bloody Valentine as well and just embarrass myself that I've never seen it. <laughs> Is, oh my god i know it's crazy I, I i listened to your guys podcast review but i haven't seen it myself so maybe i'll have to I'm rectify sorry, that Steven, he does not know that which he does I, I mean realistically there's not a lot of valentine's day horror movies although I, i'm tr- no that's yeah but you could make anything a valentine's day yeah, horror movie i guess I, I mean, Again, I love his inclusion of just fucked up relationships because that could be a lot of things. That could be like, you know, anything really. I'm thinking Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker because oh, I just got the yeah. Blu-ray in the mail. Oh, yeah, I'm jealous. I, I still haven't got it yet. I don't know. I, I One of my recent favorite horror movies that had to do with love and dating at least was Fresh, which I watched at, you know, Sundance there earlier this month or last month. But yeah, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I can't think of like any, any horror movies that are involved around love. It follows, I guess. I don't know. But that's obviously not Valentine's. But you know what I mean. Yeah. So Steven just slumping, you know, slumping us here. Don't come with any of those hard questions with me and Mike. All right, yeah, Steven, I, I was going to say, I, I'm glad that I'm not on the same podcast as him if he's going to be throwing haymakers like that. <laughs> we, we, we like the easy questions. Listen, I already know when Steven comes on. Colton's gonna get upset at us. We're not. We're never gonna talk about the movie because all me and Steven ever talk about is soundtracks ever. Oh so I God. know it's just gonna be me, Steven, and Mike talking about whatever music is in. I don't even know if there's music in Hush. I, I can't even remember. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if that's known for a banger soundtrack or not. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll love to listen to it, I guess, as a listener. That's the one thing I'm looking forward to. I won't actually be on that episode, so I can listen to it as a fan. <laughs> so yeah, so just stay tuned to our social media platforms, you know, at It Slays Podcast on Instagram, Twitter. I mean, Facebook, you could probably just search up It Slays Podcast and find us. But also, I mean, if you want to, you know, support the podcast in a different way other than your follow, which of course we appreciate. Uh, you can always head on over to patreon.com slash it slays podcast and pledge at whatever amount you feel comfortable, you know, <laughs> don't feel obligated to do so. But maybe if you have some extra income, you can toss it our way. And uh, yeah. But uh, I think that is everything. Thank you for uh, joining us on our three year extravaganza. Uh, before we go, 
we have to announce the next movie. And it's a mic pick. And it's a mic pick, I will say, that I don't overly groan at. So, Mike, announce that movie. Okay, we're doing Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight with a K. Billy Zane. Billy Zane and the incomparable Jada Pinkett. When I was laying in bed this morning, I was watching Bordello of Blood on VHS. I actually thought about cheating and doing a Rowan and making it a twofer, but I'm not a fucking sadist like you. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, get get your eyeballs on that. Uh, I know I've got the Scream Factory version of that, so I'm always excited to crack that open. Uh, But yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah, thanks for all the support. Lots of downloads happening. I think we got a couple people I saw that are uh, downloading like the whole kit and caboodle from the introduction. So uh, good not luck. Not the introduction. Good, good, <laughs> good luck on that. Hopefully, uh, not not me with my twenty year old hardware. <laughs> When they catch up to this, you know, in six months' time, uh, they'll hear yeah. the show. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're if you're wondering, yes, Mike was recording with a straining tin can. So <laughs> when real, that's what I do. School. That's that's how I communicate. But I think that is everything. As always, I am your humble host, Rowan. Bye. It's Mike. And it's Colton. See you later. We're going to expand our weekly video segment to take you into the back shelves of your local video store. Back where it says horror videos and where kids are devouring some awful films that we call the video nasties. Are you freebasing? Inquiring minds want to know. I have to break free from this culture of mechanical reproductions and the thick encrustations dying on the surface. Not the prime time yet. The, the pain, I can assure you, will be exquisite. As for our deaths, come with me and be immortal. We have such sights to show you. We've got to return some videotapes.